This is Chris Coyp, and you are listening to the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. Today, we have the story of Chris Coyp. Uh, Chris is a uh, musician himself, but he's uh, more importantly, right now, he's uh, got his own publishing uh, house with uh, a bunch of other artists. So we're going to be talking about that with Chris today. So it's going to be an interesting uh, topic, a little bit uh, peek under the hood there into the music business. So it'll be a lot of fun for you guys. Uh, you are listening to the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus, our website is Ludini Rock and Roll Circus.com. You can check back often for more interviews. You don't want to miss our music podcast every Sunday night live on Facebook. You can find everything, all the information about that at Ludini Rock and Roll Circus.com. Uh, and, um, also, guys, uh, remember the, to like and share the podcast when you see it up on social media. When you do that, uh, it gets more uh, information out there to the public at large about the music and about the artists because that's what we're all about here is promoting the music. So help us promote great music by just liking and sharing the podcast. Uh, if you're checking it out on iTunes or Stitcher or Player FM, there's all the buttons right there to just share it around on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and everything. So just uh, sh- sh- uh, show a little love and a little bit of appreciation for these great artists uh, by sharing it around we really do appreciate that okay as i was saying um we have chris coip with us uh today uh via skype uh, chris is uh got a uh, Virgi- uh, charlottesville virginia based music publishing startup called salinger songs so uh, i'm gonna let uh, i'm gonna bring chris on and let him explain it uh uh in his own words uh, chris welcome to the ludini rock and roll circus no problem. So, Chris, um, what is, in, a, in the 21st century, the second decade of the 21st century, what is music, what does, what does music publishing mean? Beca- means? Because to me, when I hear music publishing, I think sheet music. I think um, uh, song books. Um, uh, I think stuff like that, which nowadays you can Google the lyrics to any song you want or the chords or there's somebody who's teaching you how to play it on YouTube. So what, is, what does music publishing mean uh, in in uh, in this in this day and age in which we live, right. So when you know when a, when a song is released, there's there's really two components to to uh, the way most people consume music. You have the master side, which is what the record company takes care of. So that's the the physical recording, uh, or the individual recording of of a, of a song, and then there's the underlying intellectual property of the composition, right. So you know every time somebody covered yesterday by the Beatles. That's the music publisher is getting paid on that. You know, the, the original record company is not getting paid on that. It's the it's the music publisher that's getting paid on that. And so traditionally, even for the last, you know, decades, publishing has in, in many ways been the no brainer, sort of smarter way to go where the where uh, uh, you're gonna make more more money with a hit song, it's gonna be mailbox money for, for years to come with the you know, the potential for a variety of artists to, to cover a song or for a song to live on in many contexts. Uh, streaming is, is not so great for publishing right now, but still, uh, you know, so for instance, if a song is used on, say, Grey's Anatomy, you, you'll get a fee and half of that fee will go to the master use fee and half of it will go to the publisher. So there's still a lot of opportunities for music to make money. You see more publishers looking to partner with brands in a way that used to be considered not cool but if you get you know big enough if you get a you know itunes commercial or ipod commercial i should say uh, a more uh, more recent uh, apple product than an ipod but uh <laughs> you get what i'm saying you get what right. i'm saying so essentially uh there's still still a lot of ways out there and um a radio hit is still uh a terrestrial radio hit is still worth quite a bit of money 
So now, now, do you work with radio? Do you try to get the artists placed on radio? So we do, and I, I guess the underlying kind of premise behind my company is, uh, you know, for for years, um, it was if you sort of showed promise as an artist, a publisher would come in, swoop in, and take a take a uh, a chance on you, and they might throw you a solid advance with pretty, you know, uh, honestly fair terms, which is a rare thing in the music industry, and give you a shot at 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 uh, you know, using those resources to kind of develop your own career. And as the music industry has collapsed in a lot of ways, publishing deals, particularly for developing developing artists and for emerging talent, have become sort of more and more draconian to the point where it really doesn't make sense to sign most publishing deals that are offered to young emerging artists. Um, the, the, the publishers, the major publishers, save a lot of their, their money for once a hit emerges, they'll swoop in with a million-dollar deal. So the premise behind my company is that we could get a whole bunch of emerging artists for not a ton of money and really use our resources to uh, to try to help them over the uh, over the edge. It's sort of almost like a like a tech incubator or something. We go we're not giving anybody a ton of money, but we are uh, you know being uh, kind of we're giving them contacts and we're giving them uh, uh, we will throw money at uh, uh, and resources at something if it has some uh, has some legs, and in the meantime, we're giving people kind of keep the lights on money, not not go buy yourself a apartment money, but keep the lights on money, and also the knowledge that when they complete a song, it's it's not going to go into a vacuum. We're going to pitch it well to film and television. We've partnered with Cobalt, which is uh, 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 you know one of the, increasingly one of the world's largest uh, publishers. It's a, a Google funded. Uh, relatively newcomer to the music publishing industry that's changing the way a lot of things operate and they handle our administration and they also have beyond our in-house team they have 55 additional people worldwide that are pitching to film and television and advertising agencies and all that kind of thing so you you used an expression if we see something has legs so that's telling me you don't just take anybody so what are you looking for uh, right. in, 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 uh, when, because I'm, I'm completely lost at a completely, like, first of all, how does an artist, before we answer that question, how does an artist approach you? What, what, what's the, what's the, what's the steps? So for the, for the most, most part is me approaching artists. Oh, you, you approach know, so artists. I, okay. I, I, I'm a, I'm a uh, songwriter and producer. From, um, you know, I graduated from college in 1996 and I've been doing it professionally since then. And, uh, what I, so the metric that I use when I'm choosing to, whether or not I want to bring somebody into my roster or at least attempt to bring them onto my roster is uh, whether they trigger jealousy in me personally, whether, whether when I hear the music, I think, man, why didn't, why didn't I think of that? Or, or okay. how did they do that? You know? So I have to be jealous of somebody to bring them on board. And then I want to see a work ethic and I want to see, uh, you know, I want to see that other people are, are kind of responding to them. Or, you know, we, we have some, uh, we have some folks who, uh, you know, have uh, some some pretty pretty neat uh, accomplishments to point to. You know, one of our bands, Sleepwalkers, it's been one of these nice organic uh, examples of growth where a couple musicians like Ryan Adams said they're the best new band in America. Then the Lumineers picked them up for their their tour, and you know, Judd Apatow tweeted that he really liked them, and you know, they're just a you know scrappy group of kids from Richmond, Virginia, um, and they're just 
nuts players uh put on a great live show and are willing to live in a van for a couple of years so things like that are very mm-hmm. uh very attractive to me okay and um so what um what happens then so you find somebody that you you, you like what what is the process Right, so a lot of these people too are um, people that I've known for years. I've come across for years. Uh, that I kind of started with my core group of, of musicians like that, uh, like that. That you know, one one artist I'm working with, uh, uh, artist by the name of Lena Fair, is a 21 year old girl uh, from Los Angeles who uh, I was brought in to produce her record, co-write part of her record with her, and we had a lot of fun. We wrote part of it in Berlin, part of it in London, part of it in Los Angeles. And, um, so once we made this great record, we wanted to get heard. I have sort of the most, uh, direct path to, it's a very kind of, uh, evocative music that, you know, fits well with, I think would fit well with television shows. And so, you know, I approached them and again, one of the, the two caveats to, to my deal is that, uh, a, I'm jealous with the people, but also it's a deal that I myself would be comfortable signing. You know, I'm okay. not trying to trap anybody. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make sure that it is uh, mutually beneficial at, at all stages, and that people don't feel trapped. And if it works for them, it works for them. And if it's not working for either one of us, I'm not trying to to uh, trap anybody for six years. And, Right, uh, right. We've all not, we've not all seen the Billy Joel behind yeah. the music, right? Um, yeah, exactly. Um, so. Um, so this is the sort of overview of what you do now. Now tell us, let's, let's take a little bit, a step back and tell us your story. Like, how did you get into music, uh, in the first place? And then I want to progress into how you got into this side of it, but let's start with you as a singer, songwriter, musician. How did you get, uh, into music in the beginning? Sure. I was in a band in high school and, uh, and when I went to college, I chose the the college I went to partially because they, they gave me a scholarship that was just, uh, just uh, cash in hand for a project that would be interesting to me. And I used that money to record my first album, I think my sophomore year in college. And I was in a band uh, called River that, uh, uh, you know, we were, we were fairly uh, uh, light folk rock almost. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, had some really nice players. And, uh, you know, we were in the Virginia music scene at the time, which was the Dave Matthews at the time okay and, uh that provi- that provided a lot of uh, opportunities for us and we ended up working with red light management briefly and some of our good friends were in a band called rc uh agents good roots on rca and uh so we got to tour a decent amount with them and uh you know we were lucky in the sense that uh it, it started working for us pretty quickly and uh, we were able to put a decent number of people in, in clubs we got a lot of uh label attention and uh, so when we started getting off of record deals, we chose to break up, which was, <laughs> I okay. don't know why. So we did, we did, we, we pulled one of those where, uh, where things, when things started going really well for us, we, we thought that uh, maybe we should all be solo artists or something like that. Uh, so, uh, so uh, we did that. And um, uh, when, when the band kind of broke up, uh, the part that I really enjoyed about being in the band was being in the studio and writing the songs mm. and all that sort of thing. So, um, I started looking around to other talented kids and the first uh, kid that went to my high school by the name of Jonathan Rice, I met him when he was 17 and uh, we made a quick little EP for him. I sold some of my guitars, my four track, we made a little EP for him and we immediately got him signed to Warner Brothers. 
really the second guy we did we got uh got him signed to a development deal with epic and so we had a couple of little successes right out of the, the uh right out of the bat and um uh just kind of kept going with that producing and uh co-writing with folks and uh really i guess the, probably the thing which did best for me uh initially was the very first jason Mraz record uh the primary producer on that john alasia brought me in to do some pre-production with jason and we did a little bit of co-writing on that record and that record uh uh did pretty well actually yeah um yeah. tell us about um some of the uh, acts that you are working with right now um rookie want to talk about rookie season i guess you guys have just released a a record with rookie season yeah, Rookie because you do. Let, let, we should clear this up <laughs> because we're sort of dancing or we haven't really got to it. In addition, Chris is not just in the publishing side of it. You actually produce artists in the studio uh, with right. uh, your with with uh, your White Star Sound uh, Studio. So this is some case because we're sort of dancing around it. But you have that right. going on as well. So, but so in relation to that, you worked with Rookie Sound. So tell us a little bit about Rookie Sound. Or rookie season. Uh, so, so rookie, rookie season. season. Yeah, yeah. So you know, that's one of the really one of the, the uh, resources of of the publishing companies we have. I have a, uh, a recording studio called White Star Sound, and, um, and Rookie Season the is the lead singer of Rookie Season is a guy by the name of Sanders Bulky, who's I would argue America's greatest singer. And he uh, he and I have been working together for years, and we've had a good amount of uh, film and TV success as a solo artist and. And he has a friend, Brad Odom, and they share a love for kind of, I don't know, 90s R&B, to, I guess would be a, a, mm-hmm. a, okay. a, a, maybe a starting point for those guys. And uh, they almost did it just as a lark, and and, and uh, they did two songs together and threw them up on Spotify, and they immediately got playlisted and got a ton of uh, uh, listens. And so they figured they should dive a little more deeply into that, and they put together a really great record and they did a lot of it in nashville and then some of it uh at my studio and we've been uh, but as an example of sort of some of the uh, how, how that works so you know i have we'll do it in advance but then when i see that these guys are really willing to to dig in and and, and do some really good work i'll pitch in on you know mastering mixing costs um we did uh helped out a little bit making a, a nice uh couple of videos for those guys and a publicist and so it's start, starting to go uh decently it just got added to uh mtv live this week and then you know with some pretty a-list artists they did a, a claymation video with uh with a friend back, of theirs back talking right is that yeah, it yeah yeah, yeah. Back, I, I, back talker yeah yeah back yeah. talker that yeah. that's that's yeah. a fun that's a fun video it's a good, good jam yeah, and they do have a sort of like uh 90s era r&b meets with a little bit of like reggae kind of vibe going on too yeah, it's 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 really. I think there's a couple of great songs on yeah. there. My favorite song is a song called "Got a Feeling," and uh, we did put out a a live video uh, a couple of weeks ago that really kind of shows um, how uh, that it's not you know studio magic that those guys can really pull that stuff off. Yeah. So and and it's an, it's interesting you know that as the industry has changed, they're very uh, I think mm-hmm. a smart thing these guys have done. They they can do it as a duo or a trio with tracks all the way up to an 11 piece band sort of depending upon what hmm. uh the tour opportunity is or what the uh or what the venue or, or budget allows so they're uh they have a lot of good uh uh options for for getting their music out there what do you where do you want people to go uh on the internet to check out what you do and what kind of action would you like them to take are you looking for them to because you say you sort of find the artists on your own so 
you are not looking for people to say, hey, check out my song, correct? Uh, not, not, not so much right now. And, and really, it's not that I don't believe that there's good music out there. I, I, I have a limited amount of bandwidth, and I, I feel sort of irresponsible taking on more people than I, I currently have. So uh, you want people so, to check out the artists that you are working with? That's my that I would very much like that. Okay, yes. so why don't you tell everybody how to go and do that? <laughs> so the uh, the the easiest way is probably to go to SalingerSongs.com and then Salinger like uh, like JD Salinger, um, and uh, there's a lot of uh, good information up there. Um, and then you know, in particular, the things which are useful to us are Spotify and, and uh, Apple Music streams. Those are you know the metrics that uh, all the uh, everybody looks at these days so uh you know i'd say one single right now that would be super helpful to us is uh got a feeling by rookie season because that seems to have uh, uh, some some legs right now and uh we'd like to support that um and um tell us a little bit more because you you touched on this and i visited the website and i thought it was kind of interesting what exactly is cobalt music i know that that's a you you don't own cobalt but you are working with them so how what's that what exactly are they doing so cobalt can do uh they're 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 a publisher and an administration administrator and so with that particularly for a small publisher like, like we are, you, you kind of have two components to publishing. You have the creative side and you have the administration side. And on the creative side, that's, you know, A&R, signing people, that's setting up collaborations, you know, co-writes with this person, that person is looking for people to cover this song, is looking for placements in film and television. Okay. Um, and administration is literally collecting the money, which is a nightmare, you know, and you need a real infrastructure to do that. And, Cobalt um, is really sort of because they started all these uh, bigger, older publishers have all these legacy systems in place because kind of Cobalt started in a more modern era. Their technology is all very um, up to date and optimized to find as much money as cheaply as possible. Um, They're known for being a super fair company, being super fair to, Mm -hmm. to artists and not bring, taking people into so they're out tracking down money for me, and then in addition to that, they will do some uh, pitching both for covers and for film and TV. As, as I mentioned, they have sort of globally, they have 55 uh, people who are dedicated just to looking for placements in, in film and television, and that's, um, you know, so if they see in their system that a song is getting played a lot, say on Spotify in Sweden, you know, there's 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 Swedish film and TV people might hit up some ad agencies there and saying, look, here's a Here's an artist that's, you know, or here's a song that's got some some legs in your your market. We represent that song, you know. It might be nice for this client of yours for this advertisement, or it might be nice in this television show. So that's a pretty uh, a useful uh, useful partner to have, and they're they're great folks over there. Um, and why don't you tell us? Uh, wh- uh, give give us because you you're in this and you're listening to artists and you're dealing with us on a day-to-day basis and so i imagine that you probably have some serious ability to hand out advice um to artists so if you could tell people out there one or you know artists out there one or two things to work on or to concentrate on in order to kind of like create more success or whatever you whatever you think is important could you kind of just kind of put out give us a little bit uh, a couple of uh, hints here for us sure really i mean for me it's the the thing that is is essentially hustle you know i think that uh um i i think about it sort of in the terms of 
playing basketball. For one thing, it's being being honest with yourself and, and realizing whether or not you have what it what it takes, and then understanding uh, how hard it is beyond that. You know, I think a lot of people, if you're a basketball player, it would be clear to you that you were good enough to play in college. And once you got to college, you might think, oh, these guys are a lot better than me, um, and I'm probably not going to go pro. You know, I think it's harder for a lot of musicians to figure that part out, right? Mm. And then uh, it's because it's a creative thing, and, and, I, and I get and I appreciate and I relate to the, the idea that you want to be able to uh, have some space in your life, have some nice experiences, have some time to clear your mind and, uh, and, and focus on your art. And that's all very important, but the hustle part and getting your music out there and demonstrating to everybody who might be interested in partnering with you is, is just, I can't over, I can't overemphasize how, how important that is, you know, especially in this day and age where almost everybody in the music industry is one or two bad decisions away from losing their job if they pick the wrong artist to, to throw their weight behind. Right. You know, if, if they sign you, they are saying, I'm risking my family's livelihood <laughs> on, on you. Yeah. And if you're like, you're like, you know what? I want to go sit in a tent and, uh, just really think about my things for eight months while you're, you know, trying to find opportunities for me. That's not, you're not really being the, the kind of partner that the modern music industry needs you to be, you know? So it's, 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 it, it, a plus talent will lose to B talent with A plus work ethic. Mm. You know, so it's it, it is uh, it is tough because there are people who have who are both A plus talents and A plus work work. If, those those are the those those are the those are the mega stars. If you, you know? if if you if could you kind of uh, just if I may pick your brain for a little bit more, could you kind of define or give an example of hustle? in in 27 8 2018 with the internet right. and everything like that what what right. would you call hustle what is your sort of definition of it well you know it's a lot of stuff that i, I don't blame people for not wanting to do though all the social media stuff i, you know, I have no <laughs> i personally have no interest in doing that okay. and, and i hate that but at the same time like uh constantly turning out music is uh is pretty pretty important and uh okay. you know making sure that you, you finish what you start you know, uh, this actually this is this is a little bit separate, but uh, at the same time, I think so many bands make the decision to go full time as a musician too early. I, I've come across this all the time where bands say, uh, "Hey, you know, I've got this one tour. All right, I'm gonna quit my job waiting tables," but then they have no sort of war chest of money set aside when the next touring opportunity presents themselves, and they, you know, I just had a band miss miss a whole uh, European tour because they just couldn't between them they didn't have enough money for plane tickets and renting a van over there and it was a great opportunity and all those guys were just enjoying being quote-unquote professional musicians but if they had just kept their jobs you know waiting tables part-time gigs that kind of thing yeah and being you know in a lot of ways it's not fair for creative types these days where you you have to uh you kind of have to work two jobs until until you're at a pretty high level yeah. You're going to need that that extra kind of working capital to make things work for you. All right. Well, good advice and a lot of great insights here today, Chris. And I'm really glad I got a chance to meet you and talk to you. Um, absolutely, very fascinating. I really wasn't sure, uh, you know, once we once when we got on here exactly where we were going to go with this. But uh, I learned a lot, man. I I always say that I actually always end up learning a lot. But um, uh, it's a, it's a, that's a whole different world. Out there. There's so many facets to this business. You know, I I mean, I deal with a lot of people who are doing. You know, they might be working with somebody might like Melissa, but they're essentially doing like everything else 
else on their own. So to kind of sure. see this side of it is uh, is really fascinating. And um, and, and and a lot of my people, a lot of people, I, I talk, other musicians I talk to, are like, well, they don't really exactly know who to try to be like joint venturing with, or who to be contacting, or what other professionals in the business you know they should be talking to because they you know everybody has a you know trust issue and uh, yeah. so um, uh, so so somebody who can like do kind of what what Chris does, guys. You know, you know, Chris at this point is like kind of working with his own circle of artists, but uh, you know, people that can help you do these different things can be uh, an important part of your team. Uh, well, how would you vet somebody? Uh, real quick, I know we're running out of time here, but how would you vet somebody? I know you at this point aren't taking on right. anybody, you know, just off the street, but how would you vet somebody if you were an artist? Yeah, I mean that's 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 really important, and, and being skeptical is, is is sadly all too important in this industry. Uh, but what, again, one of those reasons I think to have uh, to, to be working those extra jobs and having that little bit of a war chest behind you is so that you can have a, a real lawyer look mm-hmm. at anything that's, that's substantive, oh, you know. Okay. And I think the most important thing when you're when you're looking at uh, at any kind of deal is how can you get out of it if it's not working, you know. You just right. don't want to get trapped, you know. Oh, uh, but there are a good entertainment lawyer. They, they're sadly, uh, you know, usually a couple hundred bucks an hour. But they can they can save you from destroying your own career, you know. Right, right. Well, so and it's got, also uh, impor- also uh, important to talk to also important to talk to other artists that work with whoever is trying to work with you, because the other artists will will give you the, the real scoop on how, how it has been working okay. with them. All right, all right, so yeah. uh, this guy's good. This guy's an asshole. Right, right. Yeah, yep, <laughs> I got yep, it. Yep, <laughs> okay, yep. Chris. Thanks, man. Thanks for so much. You got a minute? I, I'm going to wrap up the podcast, and I just need to do a little wee bit of business with you before we sure. uh, get out of here. Okay, very awesome. Sounds good. Okay, all right, guys. That was uh, Chris Coip, and uh, go to SalingerSongs.com. You can also go to WhiteStarSound.com. Uh, uh, to uh, ch- check out some of the artists he's working with. Uh, this is all, guys, no, I don't want you to be intimidated because this is like all like majorly pro stuff, okay? This is not like, you know, you know some of these artists that really like kind of have like a mega like kind of indie kind of low budget kind of sound this this is totally pro stuff so chris is a uh, you know what he's doing is uh, you know really important stuff um and uh i'm really excited i think that some of these artists have the potential to be like really really do something really big in this business so it's really exciting so check that out salingersongs.com and whitestarsound.com uh guys you've been listening to ludini rock and roll circus ludini rock and roll circus.com is the website please check back often for more podcasts more stories with uh, artists and people like chris and please don't forget our music podcast we go live every sunday night uh, on uh, facebook uh, we have a lot of fun on there. We take your uh, questions and comments, and we play some great indie artists, too. So check that out, LudiniRockAndRollCircus.com. Guys, thanks so much for hanging out with us, and thanks to Chris Coip for uh, being here today and for like really kind of opening my eyes um, uh, about publishing and, and what it looks like in the, in the uh, second decade of the 21st century. Uh, ever-changing. Ever, this, this business is just really is really amazing. It, it, you, know, uh, you have services like Cobalt Music coming online in, in different places different things like this that are like like giving the artists and people like Chris so much more power and opportunity to actually do something with music. It's a really exciting time we live in. All right, guys, thanks so much for hanging out with us. Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. My name is Lou Lombardi. I want you to keep one thing in mind, guys. No matter where you are, no matter where you go in this big, wide world, keep this in mind. You, yes, you, my friend, are the revolution. My name is Lou Lombardi. I'll talk to you guys on the next podcast. Peace.